The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Fantrax. Uh, this has kind of become an annual tradition. Uh, I invite Craig Michon to talk all things Marlins. Uh, I really, really wish every team had a Craig Mish, but uh, oh, that's so sweet. It's uh, it's hard to find someone who's plugged in, knows fantasy, and is not an extreme homer. And I think Craig uh, checks all three of those boxes, which is great. Uh, but Craig, thanks for joining me. How, how are you doing? I'm doing well, James. Great to be back with you again this year for, for our preview. Yeah, I mean, I think in my best interest, it's always best to have the team good. Like, let me not get that twisted. Like, I guess, you know, who wants to be around and cover a team that's not good? Not me. I'd like I'd like for the Marlins to have a really good season. It would make everybody happy. It would make me happy, too. But if it doesn't go that way, I can't pretend that it's not. <laughs> so yeah, that, that it is. So, you know, we'll, we'll sort of see what happens. My broad view on the Marlins before we get to, like, the, the short view from a fantasy angle is that I think, personally, I'm pretty good at this sort of stuff. I'm pretty good at uh, – people are already asking me for my win totals for the season. I don't do the Marlins. I don't do any betting with the Marlins. It's just not something that I do. But people always ask me, like, what kind of season they're going to have. James, I think there's huge ranges of outcome here with the Marlins. I think that either – Everything is going to go right. All these players we're talking about, they're going to win 85, 87 games. The pitching is going to be great. Jazz is going to be a star. You know, Soler, Garcia, like everything is going to happen like it should have last year. And they're going to be one of the big surprises in baseball. Or they're going to lose like 100 games. I, I do not think their projections are accurate this year. I think it's either a huge season or a fire sale sell-off at the deadline, one or the other. So that makes for some interesting talk, I think. Is this kind of a make or break year for the the top people in that org? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it, it's very complicated because again, you know, a lot of a lot of the footprint on everything that has happened is has been you know Derek Jeter when he was the CEO. A lot of the moves you know were, were more or less his. Uh, Kim Eng steps in the last couple of years, and you know, finally over the last year, maybe year and a half, sort of puts her you know footprint on things. But the groundwork is is laid in a way that inevitably, I do think that whatever sort of happens this year, a lot of it is sort of the last five years of this this build, this rebuild that didn't really go exactly the way that they thought. So they pieced some things together, and they're going to try and win in a different way than almost every other team in baseball here where a lot of teams want to hit as many home runs as they can. The Marlins are, don't seem to be interested in that. They want to put the ball in play. You know, will that work? I don't know. We're going to find out. <laughs> we, we will see. We will see. They're counting on really good pitching, bat-to-ball skills, and they have upgraded their bullpen in a way that they haven't had in a while, I think, with some guys that really can get some outs. So that that definitely, you know, has been that. But that's my long-winded to answer. Yes, I mean they've got to win some games this year for the, for these people to stick around. I think. I, I I think I think everybody would acknowledge that. Yeah, sure, uh, that makes sense from the outside. So let's start with Jazz Chisholm. Uh, we talked about him last year. You know, I was buying the breakout. Uh, he only played in sixty games, and now he's going two to three rounds higher than he was a year ago. Mm-hmm. So I think. For the most part, I mean, there might be some people that still doubt the, the skills, but they're not going to be speaking very loudly about that right now. But 
do you have do you have any worries about the durability here? Because that that's kind of my one thing that gives me pause. You know, about taking him middle of the third round or something like that is we we really haven't seen him uh, handle kind of a, a full big league season yet. Yeah, I, look, I, I don't I don't know how we're going to be able to answer that question. I, I think that it I, I thought it was very interesting to me that Jazz said that he was sort of he leaned a little bit on Gary Sheffield this offseason. That was one of the guys that he had been hitting with. That's that's you know, Chef was not a center maybe was Chef a center fielder at all. I don't I don't think so. I think he was third base shortstop left and right and first. But uh, the other names that he mentioned were Ken Griffey Jr. as somebody that he was going to be leaning on. I don't know if that's happened or not. He had, Jazz had mentioned at some point Griffey was going to do something with him. I'll, I'll have to catch up on that and see if that happened. But here was the other interesting name that he brought up. And I think this is the point for fantasy. Is Jazz a Byron Buxton? Is Jazz the guy in fantasy that we take every year and we say if he plays 150 games, he's one of the very best players and very best players in fantasy, but he doesn't play 150 games. We don't know the answer to that. I, in uh, in labor this past weekend, I took Buxton. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm not going to quit because I am going to wait for that rainbow at the end, that, that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow to, to win a championship because I'm playing to win. Now, again, you're playing in the NFBC. There's money involved. You don't have to win. You can still cash. But in leagues like, these sort of experts leagues. I mean, I'm, I, I've learned long enough, James, of losing in these leagues for 10 years to say, hey, I'm just going to try and win. And if I finish ninth, I finish ninth. Or I finish 10th, I finish 10th. And I think that's sort of the take with Jazz here is that you you take him and you say, if he plays 150 games, I got a good chance this is one of the best players in baseball. But for me to guarantee health at this point is impossible. There, It hasn't been proven over the last couple of years. Point being is that Jazz said that he spoke to Buxton about like sort of how to play center field and sort of how to do it. Now, now Buxton's the way James, he plays center field and he's already told us Buxton has, he's been on my show before too, is that he's not going to change the way that he's playing. He's decided, Hey, look, this is who I am. I'm all out like it, love it, leave it. This is who I'm going to be. I'm not going to just play all more conservative. And if you prorate Buxton's numbers over a 162, this guy's the best player. He's number one pick in fantasy baseball. So I think jazz is, is the same situation here. I think if jazz plays a full season, 25 home runs, 25 steals, 33% on base. Still going to strike out a lot, that's for sure. Dynamic, great player. But I can't answer that question as far as health is concerned because I haven't seen it yet. That's so funny you brought up Buxton because I was on a call with someone last night talking about jazz and I brought up Buxton. Because they, they, I know Buxton's maybe a couple inches taller, but very very similar physical builds and you know just kind of leave it all out there explosive athletes take them every year uh so yeah that's if jazz if jazz kind of because there was a time when you know manny machado was injury prone there was a time when you know i know jordan alvarez has the hand thing now but i didn't touch jordan alvarez for a couple years because i was worried about his knees so sometimes this goes in the opposite direction a guy just puts the injury stuff behind him uh, and if Jazz does that this year, he's going to pay it off. Oh yeah, uh, oh so. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's. I mean, he's got to stay. He's got to stay healthy. It's just easier said than done. And now he's switching to a position where, you know, it's just not as easy to stay uh, healthy. He's looked okay, from what I understand, in in spring training. For full transparency, I for I mean, un- unfortunately, I finally got hit after three years with COVID a couple weeks ago. So this is the least amount of spring training that I've had my eyes personally on in my life. Um, but I'll be back out now and and I'm okay now. It just, it kind of like, you know, I, I guess people, sometimes they get COVID, they say that they're, they're, oh, I was down for a day or two and I was perfectly fine. It's like, damn, day five, day six, day seven, it just took me a bit here. But, you know, I'm going to be 50 this year. So maybe that has something to do with it. But either, either way, I, I can't sit here and I, what I don't want to do for anybody who's watching and listening is say, oh, Craig Mish said he's great in center field. He saw him. I, I have missed a lot of the in-person stuff at center field. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm not texting and asking questions, but sometimes my eyes, I think, are important to this. So I still got some time to get that figured out. Well, good to good to have you healthy again. Um, is that, is that why I didn't see you out, at, out in uh, Florida a couple weeks ago? 
yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's why I, I I tested positive the morning, or I'm sorry, the day before. No, the morning of labor. I tested positive the morning of labor. The day before, I I texted Brent, uh, Brent Hershey, and um, and Steve. I'm like, hey, I I you know my son is positive. I feel fine, you know. And they're like, go get a negative test. I'm like, you know, like if that makes it actually, I take it back. They didn't make me do anything. I did it on my own. It makes it sound like they're making me do that. I don't want to go down that road. Uh, so I did. And I went, and I got a negative test. I'm like, all right, good. I'm there tomorrow. And then like, and then James Sunday, I woke up and I was like, I am, I'm not gonna be able to do the draft. This is crazy. This is, that was last Sunday. Yeah. So I was like, well, yeah, I, uh... what happened. I was so upset, man. I was so upset, but I thought Brent did a really good job for me. Most of the players I took, I asked for. So I got a lot of text after that. Craig, you didn't take any Marlins. What's going on here? Uh, I'm like, oh, <laughs> is that an indication of anything? I'm like, well, I took who I took. You know, read into it as as you want. I'm glad we're getting to catch up now. Uh, yeah. So the the opposite end of the spectrum, probably from what we were just talking about with Jazz, uh, Sandy Alcantara uh, leads all pitchers with 476 in a third inning since 2020. Yeah. Only Adam Wainwright, Aaron Nola, and Garrett Cole have have covered a 450 over that span. Yep. And so, uh, whether or not you think Sandy is a good is a good pick where he's going, probably depends on how many innings you're projecting him for. And I'm curious if you think, you know, his durability is a skill that we should be kind of banking on is there anything notable about the way he prepares or anything like that that sort of gives you more confidence in his ability to get over 200 innings than you know say just kind of an average pitcher who usually throws 180 innings a year sure so this is a player that i have known for i think i'm going to say the longest of anybody that's currently i'm trying to think it's currently on the marlin sandy and i go back to when he was a prospect on the Cardinals and I used to go back there and, you know, I've, I've become, you know, friends and close with their eight, with his agent and his agent is past agents too. And I, and they used to say, Hey, come back and, and look at this kid. I think he was 17, maybe, I don't know. It was a long time ago. So I, I've known him for, through the minors. And so this is such an unbelievable journey for, for a guy who some people thought would end up being a reliever. Or he was too wild, but you know, James, it, 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 you know, there, there's something to be said for durability. There's another thing to be said for a pitcher who is not concerned with striking out batters. And he, like he, he, for some reason, Sandy got it in his head that getting deep into games was the most important thing for him. It is, it is the most important skill set for him is I want to make sure that I'm on the mound in the seventh, eighth and ninth inning when the game is on the line. He wants to be there. So in order to do that, there are pitchers in the big leagues who, you know, with a runner on first and an 0-2 count and one out, James, what they do is they say, okay, well, you know, I got the guy 0-2, I'll throw a backdoor slider, I'll throw a changeup, something that can, you know, make the batter guess what I'm going to throw and then be wrong on it. What Sandy does is he basically says to the batter, here it is, it's coming at you and it's going to look so, and this sinker is going to look so nice as it's coming in that you have to swing at it because it looks like a strike. And that thing just dives down. The ball is hit to the shortstop or the second baseman, most likely the shortstop, James. And he pitches it over to the second baseman, and the second baseman throws it over to the first baseman, and he's out of the inning. And he just induces more double plays than I've ever seen in the history of anyone on the Marlins. He That's all he wants. He just wants to get out of the inning, go back in the dugout, come back to the next inning. So I think that is a skill. And I think that when you're buying Sandy for this season, you're buying the innings. Well, look, is he going to win the Cy Young again? I mean, probably not. Is is, is ERA going to be as low as it was and his whip as low as it was? I mean, probably not. I mean, those, those things are hard to repeat. I mean, pretty much no one in the big leagues does it year after year like that. But the innings, 200 innings, 200 innings for him. And before his workout, before he pitches, he's a workout fiend. When he's done, he's a workout fiend. This guy does not quit. You see pitchers with these big frames and these big, I mean, this guy is is such an intense competitor in terms of his regimen off the field that I can only say wonderful things about him, both as a player, as a human. I think for those of you who follow me on social media, I, I, I was, he invited me to go to his Cy Young award party. I was there. Um, it was, it was emotional for everybody that was there. It was incredible to see, you know, for me to know him as long as I have to see this journey come to completion 
So yes, while I am a little probably biased on the player, I'm not also sitting here telling you his ERA is going to be 2.2, his whip is going to be 0.9, he's going to win the Cy Young. But at the end of the year, when all these pitchers go down and get hurt, I don't think Sandy's going to be one of them. So you'll buy me on those 200 innings again and more, 220, 230. Yeah, I, I was really happy for Sandy. He's he's definitely you know, he's great probably guy. My, he's probably my favorite pitcher to watch pitch and uh, great just love the way he goes about it. Uh, so – I'm fully buying into a Trevor Rogers bounce back season. What say you? Yeah, he's looked great. Mel Stottlemyre thinks he looks great. I trust his opinion. I think, uh, I, I think James, he's somewhere in between where he was two years ago, which was ridiculous, mm-hmm. and last year. So that may scare some people, but I do think that there are teams out there that uh, in the division that he plays in that are going to get him. So that's the negative first. I think the Phillies are going to get him a little bit. I think the Mets are going to get him a little bit. Like when, when you see these guys over and over again and you have some of the and the Braves, you have some of the best hitters in baseball that are constantly facing off. In fact, the Marlins the other day, James, they didn't even let Ed, Edward Cabrera th- uh, go two days in a row because they didn't want him facing the Nationals and the Mets. And that's just the dynamic. When your strength is pitching, you have to protect that at all costs there's not much that they're going to be able to do with Rogers when he has to face off against these teams over and over again, not as often as last year. So that's why I, I think you know, to say that he regains that rookie of the year slash Cy Young form two years ago. I don't think that that is the case, but I, I think last year was just a blip on the radar. I don't think he came in the way that they wanted him to come in last year. He has come in this year, man on a mission. He's looked fantastic uh, in, in every single way to me. So I don't know if he ends up being the second best pitcher on the Marlins this season, but it wouldn't shock me to see if if, if that was the case. And obviously that's the one guy I did bid for. <laughs> that's the one guy I did pay my $5 for. All right. Uh, we got to head to a message from our sponsors. When we come back, I'm going to get Craig's take on the Pablo Lopez, Luis Arias trade. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The fantasy baseball season is underway and there's no better place to play than underdog fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball. Right now, Underdog has MLB Best Ball tournaments live, including the Dinger, which has 500K in total prizes. In Best Ball, all you do is join a contest, draft your team, and that's it. There are no waivers, no trades, and no in-season management. Draft 20 rounds of players and get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineups. Three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, and one flex each week of the regular season. Getting started is simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up with the promo code RWMLB, and not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to $100, but you'll also get six months of our RotoWire subscription for free. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code RWMLB. Draft your 100K Dinger team today. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. I'm currently in a couple fan tracks drafts right now, and I spent about a half hour the other day setting a bunch of waivers for the ones that are going to run fab here in a week or two. And it's just so easy. Uh, every single player that you're looking for is in there. You don't have to email your commissioner or your league to get a placeholder player in there. They've got even the most obscure rookies. They've got players who aren't even in affiliated ball yet. So you can play in your uh, open universe leagues. 
just by far the best dynasty and keeper experience. Uh, strongly recommend it. Sign up for free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X dot com slash Rotowire. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. All right, Craig, we're back. Uh, so I Sorry, I, I took a lot of time on the other stuff. If you want me to go faster on some other oh. things, I want to get it all in for you. No, we'll... We'll we'll get this. I'm, I mean, okay. I, I hope you don't have to go too I'm, long. I'm, I'm here as long as you need me. I just feel bad to go so long on on some of the other stuff. No, I I want the full answer. I'll I give want... it all to you. Yeah, I'll give yeah. it all. Give me to you. give me all before the good stuff. Before we're done, you're gonna get you're gonna get stuff from me that you won't get anywhere else. I know that. Well, I I love you know I, I part of why we do this is just because you're you're the best at, at breaking this stuff down for a specific team and and from a fantasy standpoint. I appreciate but... it. Yeah, I, I mean, just... I don't. I mean, the reporters who cover teams these days, and, and I think in the NFL they're starting to do a little bit of a better job. But still, at the end of the day, whether it's daily fantasy or season long fantasy, and now obviously with sports betting, I mean, why else are we doing this, really? You know, I mean, we're, this is what yeah. we're doing it for. I mean, every, does anybody really care about me? No. Does anybody really care about you know, guys getting kicked off the forty man or selected? I mean, I, I guess there's some element to that, but it, but in the end, you're drafting fantasy baseball teams, or you're you know doing some sort of betting, and if I can help at least, you know, guide the way as to what I think, you know, sort of about the team and the players. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to deliver that as, as much as I can, especially from a fantasy perspective, because I've still, I've been doing, you know, this, you know, with the Marlins for, I don't know, 10 years or so. And I, I wish every reporter would do that. Like tell everybody who the breakout star is going to be, who the first guy to come up could be, who to draft late, who to do. Well, I mean, I, I look, I'm, I'm never going to stop doing that part of it because my first love is fantasy. It's, it's it's what I've known for you know since playing fantasy baseball in the eighties. Well, yeah, and and this is a team that's that's been good to me over the past you know few years. Like uh, like Sandy was kind of in on the ground floor there uh, because of you in large part. I was in on Trevor Rogers before his uh, rookie season, and I was I, in I was not in on Trevor Rogers last year, right? I did not say that, last right? Year. No, you you weren't, and I I wasn't really either. I mean, the, yeah. the cost got a little too high. Uh, Jesus Sanchez, we're yeah, still the, waiting there, but we'll we'll get to him in a second. Yeah, the um, co- the cost is too high on Cabrera. I think that's that's the one player that I, I think that people are are paying a little bit too much for. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, but but first, you're you know part of the reason we're going to get to see Cabrera, and we we, we got to see Braxton Garrett a bit last year. They 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 always have this. Uh, homegrown rotation depth yeah and so they trade pablo lopez mm. for uh a guy that uh maybe brings something to the table offensively that they didn't have in luis arias uh i'm sure you you were expecting some sort of trade like this to go down um for a while now but what was your reaction to this the specific trade yeah you know i i think that luis arias is a great player i i think he's going to be great on the Marlins. I think he's going to do everything that he did in Minnesota and more. Uh, I am a big fan of his skill set. But but to me, Arias is a player that when he's on you know, a, a team that has five guys or four guys or three guys behind him that absolutely can drive him home, so much of those other fantasy assets come into play too, like run scored and then and and so for me, I understand what they're trying to do. And again, they want guys on base and they want these bat to ball skills. And so that's where he fits into it. But, you know, the, the, the trade itself, I understand why it had to happen. But I, I really I don't know, for some reason, James, I, I thought that they were going to get their center fielder in that trade with Pablo. Somehow, some way I thought there's I thought a, a center fielder was coming to Miami in the offseason. And I guess it did. It ended up being jazz. But, but I, I personally would have went that route if I could have to, to find my opening day starting center fielder by using uh, Pablo to be able to do that. Now they were running out of time on him because they had never talked about an extension with him. So, you know, he was going to leave in free agency anyway. And you saw how well he pitched in the world baseball classic he, he, because of who he is also as a, as a person and the player, he is going to get a mega contract. I think, but I don't think the twins are going to let him out. I think he's going to, get extended before the end of this year would be my would be my prediction there uh, they also gave up a kid named jose salas I, I don't know what he's going to end up being 
now he's jumping and, and it's interesting that he really wasn't a top 100 prospect anywhere. He goes to the twins. All of a sudden he's a higher prospect. I, I don't really understand how that worked, but for, for me, I'm okay with the deal. And I understand James, what the Marlins are trying to do fantasy baseball perspective, who you saw uh, arise with last year. I think you're going to see the same thing this year, but to me, he's the piece of a puzzle. I don't think he's the answer to, to getting you to 90 wins or 85 wins. I think he adds to what you already have with those guys that are behind He's on base, boom, home run, two nothing because you had the guy on base, and I just don't know that the Marlins have that. We're going to see. Yeah, I thought it was a thought it was a good piece of business by the Twins, and they they kind of had a bit of a log jam in the infield anyway. Um, and the, the Marlins, you know, arguably same thing with their starting rotation, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I think that'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, were you? Like, I think I think a fair question to ask, and I'm not saying that they should have done this because I don't know, but a fair question to ask could have been, what about keeping Pablo, running it back, and then you know trading him at the deadline again? If you're in that same situation, what would the cost have? What would the cost have been at the deadline from a team that's trying to win the World Series? That would have been the risk that the Marlins would have taken, and then not sign Cueto, and then use that money to you know sign you know somebody else. It, it's revisionist history is really easy for me to do. I'm not in the position where. <laughs> or I'm and on I, payroll, but at least that's the way that that I I looked at it. And I'm sure Kim was in a, a tough spot with uh, just like all the teams know that the Marlins were looking to trade pitching Absolutely. for hitting, Absolutely. and so it's it's tough from a leverage standpoint. Oh, she did, she did the know. very best she could, I think, on all levels this off season. I, I thought that this was the best off season that she's had, to be honest, with with with, with what she's been able to put together here. It wasn't easy. I'm sure we'll get to that. It was not easy, but the pieces are in place on paper for them to have a better year. So I have a ton of Jorge Soler and a ton of Jesus Sanchez. I have no Abisail Garcia and no Brian De La Cruz. How would you rank those four? Obviously, Sanchez getting drafted latest because people are less confident in his role to start the season, but just in terms of End of the season, those four guys, how would you rank how much fantasy value they've provided? So, you know, the, the sell job right now from the Marlins is on De La Cruz. That's where the sell job is going on right now. That, that and, and maybe it doesn't have to be. They're going to get mad at me. But I, I guess if you point to a lot of numbers, you could, do, you could do this, James, is that De La Cruz, over the course of the season, was one of the unluckier players in baseball in terms of hitting. This is some of the metrics that they have to point to that. Okay, well, if, if that's the case, that's going to work itself out this year. And and so, therefore, maybe there's a chance that he's at the top of those four names that, that you just mentioned. Now, the problem with De La Cruz is I personally – I think he's going to make the team, and I think he's going to be their um, starting left fielder probably. But I, I don't think that the leash is like five months, you know? Like I, I think that he's got to hit like almost right away. He's looking okay in the spring. So if we're going to buy on that, I'm going to put him at the top based on what they think. I'm going to put him at number one. Uh, so Lair early on in camp, in batting practice, and the early returns in the offseason, <coughs> excuse me, looked really good. Uh, he, he's, he has not really looked that great this spring. I don't know if you want to look into that at, at, all, at all. Do you care? Does anybody care about spring numbers? If they do, this has been uh, you know, not a great <laughs> spring training for the Marlins, if that's the case. If you don't care <laughs> about spring training, then, then it doesn't even matter. Uh, you know, so I, I would love to, you know, at the end of, why can't Soler have five home runs at the end of the spring? Is that a lot to ask for? How about two? <laughs> how about two? You know, like how about two home runs? I don't know. I, I, is everybody just trying to put the bat on the ball and not trying to hit home runs on the Marlins anymore? I mean, maybe. I, I I don't know the answer to it, but it, it's something that we're going to, again, learn together to see if this approach is working. Bram Brown is their hitting coach. I've heard really good things about him. So I'm going to just basically say what they're doing is the direction that they're going right now is a lot of tinkering, a lot of tinkering with a lot of the batters. At some point, James, the tinkering stops. And the batters just say, hey, this ain't working, or hey, this is working, or hey, I have to be who I am. And I think that that's going to be the case with Soler. I think that's, I mean, Soler's been in the big leagues a long time, and so has Avisel Garcia. So I would go in, in a tier by himself is, is De La Cruz. And then in another tier by himself, I would say is Soler. Because Soler, to me, James, has the most to prove of all of these. He's got an opt-out at the end of the season. You don't want to make no one-year $9 million next year. So I think there's a chance that Soler could go back to being at least who he was, which is 35, 40 home runs. 
I don't have the confidence in those other two players that you just mentioned. I, I just personally don't I, – I don't know what happened to Avisil Garcia since he got to Miami. But, in, in, you know, thus far in the spring, he, he did hit a home run the other day. You know, at the end of last year, was punching the ball on the ground to right field. My gosh, like that's not who he was. He, he's looked healthier. He's looked in better shape. He's going to have to show it to me. And Jesus Sanchez cannot hit left-handed pitching at all. And the other thing is, is he has got to figure out how badly he wants it, James, really, with him. Like, that, that's, that's a guy that has got to figure out internally with himself, hey, you know, I, I want to be in the big leagues and I want to stay in the big leagues and not make some mistakes uh, either on the field or off the field, too. So that's sort of the, the, the range for me. I think Sanchez starts the season in the minors. Yeah, that would that would make sense. And uh, yeah, I mean, regular pitching in the minors makes more sense to me for him than if, if he's not going to strong side platoon, then he should be in the minors. Yeah, I I keep so with Solaire, you know, I think you can certainly uh, look back on, on some of the years before 2021 where he was hitting for for power when he played. I he was just so impressive to me uh, in that you know, a little over a third of the season with Atlanta in 2021 where he just, he reached this gear. I just didn't think he had as a hitter where he was in complete control. And I feel like, you know, that wasn't that long ago. Um, But if, if there's hitting coaches maybe who have gotten him away from whatever was working, then that, that could maybe explain some of it, but I mean, it, it, yeah, it remains to be seen. I, I know that that Brant Brown has been their hitting coach has been working with every single player on something and working with everybody's swing on something. But while a hitting coach can help at the big league level, again, inevitably, some of these guys are just going to be who they were. And I don't know if that ends up being a good thing or a bad thing. We're going to have to wait and see. But uh, for for Solaire's sake, he's coming up on on the chance to hit it big in free agency. And I, and I would think that that's a lot of motivation for him to play well. The other thing that I would say is I don't think he's going to be able to play the field much this year. So, you know, again, what do the Marlins do in that spot? You know, play him at DH pretty much every day. I know the manager, Skip Schumacher, said the DH is, is like the rest day for the guys who are playing the field. But I, I think Solaire is going to end up being DH a lot. Yeah, I, I would think so. Uh, how many innings are you projecting for Jesus Lazardo? Another tough one, another real tough one, because if he gave you 150. Oh, yeah. People, people would love to yeah. pencil in 150. Yeah, I don't know. Can I do that? Wouldn't I be guessing? It's, it's, really, it's really hard. He's never well, done is, it. So. You know, is, he, is he someone that you would have considered going after in labor? I thought about it. I thought about it because I know how much they love Lazardo. Like, like mm-hmm. he was the one, he, they're never going to trade that guy. Like they absolutely love him. But how many innings? I mean, I'll say 120 and people will get upset. Oh, that means he must've been hurt. I don't know. He's been hurt every year. <laughs> so, yeah. like, I mean, it's not, I mean, I don't, how can I, how can I, how can I project something no. from someone well, that's never done it? And and by the and by the way, he's had some chances to do it too. But when he's pitching, I, I would say that he's looked the best of anyone this spring. He's looked the best. So we're we're loving the Lazardo per start upside, and we're we're right. gonna kind of wait and see on just how much he can build and up to. Look, this you know, people who are watching this know how to construct a fantasy baseball team. You don't want three Lazardos. No. You want one. You want one on your and, team. Maybe and honestly, and I don't even want uh more than one Marlin starter per per my teams because I just am worried about the if the worst case scenario you mentioned happens and I've got Trevor Rogers and uh Sandy Alcatra on my team, then I might only have twelve wins combined from I don't players. know that they're gonna hit. There's no guarantee of that. I know that I know that I know that their ERA and their whip is gonna be top five in major league baseball. I think they have one of the best rotations and most underrated rotations in the game and the best pitching coach in the game too. But if if we're still using wins as a stat in fantasy, you gotta be nuts. There's no guarantee of that. I mean just take a look at look again, spring means nothing. But these guys have not scored fifty runs this spring. It's a very, very low number. They've played a lot of games, James. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I just got my uh, first uh, first in person grapefruit league league action in, and 
it's a it's a run scoring environment down there. It really um. is. It really is. <laughs> and again, you know, when you're tinkering with guys and you're working with swings, the Marlins were fantastic the last few years in the spring, and it meant nothing during the regular season. So maybe this dismal spring that they're having means they're going to have a great year. That's that's obviously what I would hope. So I know I, I'm I'm not touching Edward Cabrera where he's going right now. I know you kind of basically said the same yeah. thing earlier. Uh, I have been getting a decent amount of Braxton Garrett just because I think he's he's a little underrated, even if, if he doesn't have an obvious spot right now. But uh, do you do you see any potential there with with Garrett? Uh, you know whether he opens the year out of the rotation or not. Yeah, I think he's going to be in the bullpen to start the year. That would be my guess. And then he could spot start on, on occasion. They've talked about using a six-man rotation, but not with Sandy. So Sandy pitches every five days. And then every once in a while, somebody gets a breather in an extra day. And I think Garrett would be that guy. Again, uh, spring has not looked good. So he's he's actually the only pitcher, I think, that hasn't pitched that well in the spring. So I, I, don't, I don't think the Marlins really care about that. They probably shouldn't. But if there is some sort of competition, if that was true, if there was a legit competition for him to be him fight Edward Cabrera, then he's lost that competition so far. But he's he's had some unbelievable starts at the big league level. And I think a, a, a late flyer just to say, hey, if he makes it his way into one of the six starters or if something was to happen to one of the five, then, yeah, I, I, I think that that he's a viable pitcher. I do. And then I guess we should just quickly do you want to just quickly explain, um, you know, with Edward Cabrera, I'm sure there are people, I mean, it's, yeah. it's easy. You can watch the pitching ninja stuff on Edward Cabrera. And it looks great. I just really worry about the consistency. Yeah. Be best, best stuff may be on the team, Be best stuff of the, of, of all, of all the guys that we're talking about here has, has had these little uh, nagging issues throughout the course of his career that has put him on the aisle a lot, James, a lot. Mm -hmm. So he has got to, and it happens with guys too. Like some guys just, you know, after they throw, it's like, oh, you know, I feel something, but it's like, that's normal. And with Cabrera in the past, or at least that would happen and be like, oh, I don't know. Am I hurt? Am I not? And that's sort of been like the, the uh, knock on him a little bit. And then, you know, he, I think he came back too soon from the ankle issue that he had last year. And then that's sort of, he's just had a lot of little, not big, a lot of little things that have become big things with him. He has got to push through that this year in order to get to 25 starts. I could not project that though. Fred. How much will John Birdie play when this team is at close to full strength? Because obviously, I mean, he was... I, I got to enjoy it in one league last year, the, the stolen yeah. base barrage that he went on. But, you know, what, what, how much is he playing in April? Birdie's – uh, what I say about John Birdie is if you ask for a little from John Birdie, you're going to get a lot. And if you ask for a lot from John Birdie, you're going you're gonna to get a little. <laughs> That's kind of the way that it's been with him. And once he's been forced into starting roles with the Marlins, he has like this sick month, two-month run. And – I mean, he probably would admit himself he's worn down in, in the last couple of years doing this. One time was a concussion and the other time just wear and tear. They have to be careful with him, James. They cannot play John Birdie 140 games, man. He's just not he's not that kind of guy. He he really should be a utility guy, but he's been forced because of these issues. And they had Brian Anderson and he got hurt and then Joey Wendell and he got hurt. They, they've had different they've had, Garrett Cooper got hurt. They've had so many different injuries that he's been the one mainstay, but his health is not really the key. It's the wear and tear for Birdie that is the key. I, I still think that he could come close to the stolen base numbers that he had last year. I would say that what hurt him in terms of fantasy production to me significantly was what happened last week with them signing Gurriel and signing Jose Iglesias. I, I don't think the Marlins signed those two players, James, to, to get cut in two weeks. So if, if they're both going to make the team, and, and Garrett Hampson got selected today too, I thought was curious. But it, it, how many guys can play at, at any right. given time? I don't know. So my guess is Birdie's a two-day-a-week, three-day-a-week player unless they have a serious issue with an injury and then he gets thrust into the starting role again. I, I don't think that he'll steal 50 again, though. Maybe 25, 30. Uh, do you think Nick Fortes will play enough to reward people targeting him as a catcher too? Yeah, Fortes is Fortes. It's interesting at the beginning of last year, if you think about it, 
the the way that he's sort of being touted is like I think Jacob Stallings is going to bounce back. I know he, another guy. I don't think he's gotten a hit this spring or he's just gotten one. But I, I think Stallings showed in the second half of the season that he wasn't nearly as bad as he was in the first. So I do think he'll bounce back a little bit. Was interesting though, James, at the beginning of last year, Nick Fortes didn't make the team. They went with this guy Peyton Henry, who couldn't hit at all, mm-hmm. and, and what was okay, I guess, defensively. And so I thought to myself, oh well, even though Fortes came up two years ago and hit at the end of the season, these guys must not think he's very good. But then Peyton Henry did nothing. They called up Fortes, and then what do you know? Fortes hit again. So to me, he's a potential starter. The other thing that I thought that they were going to do is I thought they were going to give him some time at first base behind Gary Cooper. They didn't do that at all this spring. They put Jordan Groshans at first base. They played this kid, Girard Encarnacion, at first base. They couldn't play first at all defensively. They're going to need some seasoning to get that done, and then they signed Gurriel. So I think that Fortes is just limited to catching at this point. If that best-case scenario with the Marlins works out, then I think that Fortes probably gets you know 200 plate appearances somewhere along those lines. But now that worst-case scenario that I talked about, like those ranges of outcomes, if the Marlins do have a sale at some point, mm-hmm. not that I'm wishing that, then I think you could see Fortez, boom, become right that guy, start every single day uh, at catcher, because obviously they'd want to move uh, Stallings at that point. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, you mentioned the the upgrades in the bullpen. Uh, who's your pick to lead the team in saves, and how do you expect uh, Skip Shoemaker to manage his bullpen? Yeah, so Skip, Skip, I've asked him, I've asked Skip about this a million times because I, <laughs> I know the fantasy stuff here. Right. And, and, you know, Don Mattingly would always say to me, Donnie would say to me, well, first of all, Don Mattingly would say every year we're going to have a closer by committee. Uh-huh. And, he, and he'd always say to me, oh, because you want to know who's going to get the save for your fantasy stuff. Like that. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, what are you lying to me? You know you're going to go to one guy, Donnie. You're, you do, why do you even say it's a committee? <laughs> it's never a committee. You pick the guy. And that guy, you just roll him out there every day. Oh, no, it could be a committee. Do they ran this guy, Tanner Scott, out there every day last year? Walk, hit by pitch, walk, strikeout. Oh, he looks great. Oh, I mean, they had the pitching coach running out there every five seconds. And he flat out said last year, Tanner Scott, oh, he's the closer. That's who we're using in the ninth inning. I love Don. But he just was lying to us all these years. He never was going to use a committee. He always was going to use the guy in the ninth inning. Schumacher says that's not going to happen. He says that he loves what they did in St. Louis using Ryan Helsley in the seventh, in the sixth, in the eighth, in the ninth against the best guys, (coughs) excuse me. And that's exactly what he's going to do with this team. That's what he says. I believe him. I believe him. I think, I think that's what's going to happen. Who those are. I'm not sure have emerged yet. I think AJ Puck has the best shot. I think AJ Puck has the best shot to be thrust into that situation because uh, there's some sweat equity there. They traded J.J. Bladet for him, James. You know how these teams roll. It's like, oh, we traded our number one pick in the draft. We better, we got to make sure that we're showcasing this guy too. Now, I don't get me wrong. They want to win games. I understand that. But I could see Puck working himself into that role. Beginning of the season, probably, I think Floro probably gets the most opportunities just because Puck is late to the game here. He missed a couple of weeks with a leg issue, but he's looked dynamic. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to compare him to Hater because that's not fair. But I, I do. That's the guy I'm buying this fantasy draft season. So I would be buying on Puck to a degree. I would be buying on Floro, and then after that, I think he would just be guessing. I don't know. So something tells me that, and and it, it, it's not that the Red Sox aren't smart. I think Matt Barnes could be okay, but I don't know. I I got to see Matt Barnes pitch a little bit more for me to make the full call on on why Boston just gave him away. So buying on Puck and then also sort of with the note, if he doesn't get a save first week or two, don't necessarily panic drop. Wait on that one. Yeah, wait on that one. I don't think Tanner Scott is going to be back in that role again. I mean, I, I mean, a novice fantasy player would just go, okay, who led the league in take? Oh, it's Tanner Scott. So he's still on the board. Maybe he'll get saved. Don't do it. I don't, I don't think. And he could be very good for them. He just he needs to be in, a, I think, a lower leverage situation. So Puck and Floro. For me, am I missing anyone out of that bullpen? They have another kid named Brazaban who right. rode real hard and has looked okay. But you're talking about a situation where if he ends up getting saves, so many things probably would have had to go wrong for him to be in that spot. No, I, I like your read on the situation. Uh, I did. I did kind of. Uh, I wrote a an article uh, ranking uh, relief pitching prospects a, a few weeks ago, and I just sort of was dreaming on the idea that 
when Max Meyer's healthy, they just bring him back. And that's a good closer. call. That's um, a good call. He wants to start though. He's a, he's I, a right. tough, kid. I, tough kid. Completely unrealistic to think that that would happen. But if it did happen, it would be pretty awesome. For I, I think, by the way, this could be the first time that we've done this in three years without a Sixto Sanchez question. And I appreciate that. Maybe we could just keep going. And then, okay. Uh, okay. And we'll even have to address it this year. Um, great. Well, that that's great. Uh, how about Uri Perez? Uh, what's what's the latest on him? How did yeah, you... Uri Perez is uh, oh he was supposed to start today. I think it got rained out. So Uri Perez is one of the best pitching prospects the Marlins have ever had. He's looked okay in the spring. He's looked okay. He's you know he's been hit a little bit. He's looked good a little. He's still nineteen years old. He's so young, and I don't know that he's the first guy from the minors to get the call. I do think that he's like a mid-season to late-season call-up. I think they would like to see him get 10, 15 starts in the minor leagues. Of course, service time. You know, does If you're not going to have a guy in the big leagues from the, from day one and try and get that extra draft pick for winning Rookie of the Year, then you may as well just leave. I mean, it hates, I hate to say it, but you may as well just leave the guy in the minors until, you know, I mean, they, they want to, they're going to want to control Yuri Perez as long as they possibly can. They don't want to get into a Pablo situation where, you know, they got to trade the guy. So midseason feels like the call up. I think he's a dynasty league play. I, I mean, you know, 12 team league, probably not deeper 15 or NFBC last. Yeah, sure. You know, a stash, but you may end up cutting him at some point. They have another pitcher that they signed this off season named Devin Smeltzer who's looked okay. And he's just one of those guys, James, that they got that, you know, if the bleep hits the fan, it's kind of a swing man. down, call Smeltzer yeah. up, you know, let's give him, you know, like he'll fill it. And it's going to happen. I mean, this is baseball. It's going to happen. I mean, he's going to end up making five starts with the Marlins for sure. But I think he's first and, and, and not that his skill set is better, but I think he's first. And then Yuri Perez at some point this summer. Do you think we see, Jake Eater at all because I know he's he's kind of a trendy you know everyone's always excited when someone who was dominant before Tommy John is about to come back and you know everyone's excited to sort of see how he how he does this year but is, is this just going to be kind of a year of him kind of refining in the minors or could, could we see him this summer yeah he and Dax Fulton those are the other two uh, pitchers to to keep an eye on Dax uh, had a rough spring. So Dax very clearly needs <laughs> needs to be in the minors and, and probably for the majority of the year and then maybe get his cup of coffee at the end. Eater is the most underrated pitcher, I would say, in the Marlins organization. He was fantastic when he pitched for them a couple of years ago. But I would guess they're they're going to play this on the safe side and and let Eater go through almost a whole season of minor league ball. I mean, I can't imagine, James, in any scenario that this kid coming off of TJ throws over a hundred innings. So if, if you're, if you're playing this for fantasy, what, how many big league starts are we talking about here after, after starting the season in the minors five, four dynasty, I think it's a nice sneaky, sneaky guy to grab, but this season I can't see it being much of a factor. I think he'll be in their rotation next year. Yeah. 2024 guy. Absolutely. Any other prospects making noise in camp? Hmm. Not particularly, not particularly. No, they don't really have a ton on the offensive side. Any uh, other like storylines or I mean, Khalil Watson, who who was a very high draft pick, right. has impressed the manager, and has and the manager said really good things about him. He's had a ton of off the field stuff happen, right. and if he can get that corrected, he was he was one of the most talented players coming out of the draft. There's unquestionably the Marlins took a huge swing because everyone sort of knew that this could be an issue and it was for him last year, but he is the most talented guy they have on all the prospect list. He has dropped because of those issues. I mean, pretty far down. And then uh, Jacob Amaya, who was the player who they traded for in the Miguel Rojas trade. He's, he can play defense right now at the big league level, but he just, he didn't show enough offensively. So another player that's going to be starting every day at AAA, James, that I expect to take over at some point the season as the starter. But, I mean, what will he show offensively in his first big uh, big league season? I don't know. And then they got to figure out, uh, you know, I mean, he's not, I mean, I don't think he's really a prospect anymore, but boy, they have to see what this Jordan Groshans is. Like, I mean, he, how did, how did this guy go from such an uber prospect in Toronto <laughs> to, just utility guy. Yeah, you know, I, I would have loved to see him play, uh, you know, a little bit more. You know, he, I, I thought he looked good when he came up last year, but it just doesn't seem like he has a position right now in the Marlins. Yeah, I, I was patient with him 
longer than I think most people were in terms of ranking prospects and just for whatever reason, can't, can't translate the raw power into games really at all. Um, and I, you know, I, I hope he's still young enough where, and like, you know, Khalil Watson, the, the makeup stuff, extremely right. concerning, but he's, he's still young enough that you don't want to oh, completely yeah. write him off. And I, I still wouldn't write Groshans off either, but he would need an opportunity. And I don't think he's done enough to, to get that opportunity. Really. Yeah. And, and, and again, they tried Groshans as a backup to Cooper at, at first base and, and that, and that didn't work. So I don't know. And maybe that's something they're going to try in the minors because the Marlins have to get first base figured out because Cooper's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. And obviously Gurriel's a minor league, a non-roster guy mm-hmm. and there's no one in the minors. They don't have anyone. So, I mean, maybe Arias plays first for them next year. I guess that could happen too. And Jazz goes back second. They get a center fielder finally. I mean, all those things could happen, but uh, you know, Cooper's in a walk year too. That's another, you know, I mean, Cooper's advanced metrics and hard hit rates and are always going to lead the Marlins. It's just a mat. It's just, can he put that one full season together? He's, he's probably in terms of like spring numbers and stats, Cooper's looked the best, I would say of, of anybody on the team. If, if spring means anything, man, if this is, if this is the year that he stays healthy, I'm going to just, because <laughs> I've, I've been going back to that. Well, I've still got him in dynasty just because it's dynasty, but in redraft, this is the first year where I don't have uh, a bunch of Cooper teams, but uh... yeah, with, you know, with, with Cooper, I mean, he is, he's, he is a uh, very nice guy, but he's so hard headed, man, this guy, like he, like he, he gets hit a million times. He, because he he sets up so far inside, you know, like he's he's always set up inside. Shocker, ninety five to ninety five here, ninety five here. Like shocker, man. Like put something on your arm or put something <laughs> on here. So finally, finally, you know, in spring training, he's got the batting glove with the thing there, so he doesn't break his wrist for like the tenth time. So, I all right, know. well, where so, where, so he's so he's wearing all right. Okay, well that's that's good. That's a nice tidbit though. He's wearing he's he's maybe taking some minor steps to potentially prevent injury this year. Yes. And then the other day he didn't, and I was not happy to see that. (laughs) So you got, you got a Cooper, you got to wear a little bit of gear. You get hit too many times. It's like not his fault, but they know how to pitch this. How do they pitch you? They pitch you inside. What happens? This is, you know, his wheelhouse, boom, hit out for five months. You know, it's just wear, wear all the gear. I mean, I, I love. I mean, it's easier to say than done. Uh, now, I guess James. I don't know. These guys don't like wearing gear. What can I say? <laughs> well, Craig, uh, this was really great. Uh, you got anything you want to want to plug here before, before I let you go? Well, sure. I'm going to encourage everybody to watch my shows on Sports Grid, 11 a.m. Eastern on Fantasy Sports Today, and then two o'clock Eastern on Newswire. We break a lot of news, uh, you know, every single day and sort of go over the latest and sports betting and and the legalization of sports betting going on around the country which is pretty wild to see where we've come over the last couple of years so those are the two primary shows that i have going on right now really enjoying my time with sports grid of course had a great run at sirius xm for a long time but sports grid picked me up real quick and have treated me uh, fantastic so very thankful for my gig there for sure and then you'll know, do some herald stuff on the side and i have a marlins podcast swings and mishes which we sort of brought back a little bit this year but as you know, gotta have those sponsors <laughs> in order in order to uh, do it. Yes, you do. Uh, and to that end, this has been the the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by Fantrax and Underdog. Craig, you're the best. I really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, you know, good luck this season. It'd be fun if the Marlins did get to that sort of high end of your potential outcomes. Yes, very much so. Thanks for having me, and thanks so much for the support, James, over the years. <laughs>